Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. I hope you guys all had a great weekend. I know I did. I'm watching six football games, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. At the beginning of the season, I'm not a big fan of expanding the playoff in any sport. Um, you know, they've been doing it in baseball. They've talked about it in hockey, obviously, last year. With the return to play, um, basketballs started like a play-in, which isn't as bad. There'll still be only 16 teams. But when I heard it in the NFL, I really didn't like it. And I, and it's because I value the NFL so much when it comes to making the playoffs. I think it's harder to make the playoffs in the NFL than any other team sport. I don't even think it's that close. Hockey, you know, 16 out of you know 31 now to be 32. So half the league makes the playoffs. Um, same with the NBA, uh, NBA 16 out of 30 right now. I mean, that's, and if you're competent, you're going to make the playoffs. NFL, you win your division or, and you got to be the next two best teams and you make it. And they obviously add the, um, the seventh seed, um, this year, but I didn't mind it. You know, I like the extra game. I love both days, two o'clock till midnight football it makes you think, you know, like it's a regular week. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about that today. I thought I would, cause that's something I really, I don't like change. You know, that's one thing about me that I really need to work on is um, somebody throws me a curveball and I'm not really adjusted to it. And I look at it the same way in sports, you know, when somebody says, well, there's going to be no NFL from February to September. That's really hard on me. Um, when, you know, somebody says you got to do this, like when there's no NFL on, I'm a different person. I'm not, I'm just from September. I'm a happier guy. And, you know, summer's over. I should be, you know, less happy. There's snow, whatever. When it's February till September, no NFL, it's really sad. Especially with last year, no CFL. It was a, I was in a dark spot there for a while. But, you know, this, I, I love the wild card. I love the format. Every game this weekend, I'm going to say, was pretty good. Um, the Seattle Rams game was hard to watch. Um, I don't think that was so much good defense as it was bad offense. Um, but... Just in general, uh, some key themes before I, I start talking about the games as a whole. This this weekend, some really bad coaching. Really, really bad coaching. Um, it could be Matt Nagy. Um, it could be you know, deciding to punt against the Saints with eight minutes left. I realize you're down 21 to three, but you, if you punt, the game's over. Like You're just succeeding. You're just giving up. Um, Pittsburgh last night, Mike Tomlin who I love. I think he's second best coach in the NFL behind, you know, the genius Bill Belichick punting the ball. When your team is driving back, you're down big and you punt the ball with, in the fourth quarter. Like what? You, you play to win the game. Herm Edwards. If you, they lost last night by 11 points. Who gives a shit? If you lose by 18, go out swinging. Babe Ruth struck out more than anybody, but guess what? He also hit the most home runs. So eventually you're going to hit one, take a chance. Um, I think of uh, the indie game, you know, Frank Reich, I think he's a good head coach, but the decision with, when they scored in the fourth quarter to make it a, a touchdown game, seven point game, yeah, they, they're going to kick the extra point, make it a seven point game down by a touchdown on the kick on the uh, extra point try. It goes through, but Pittsburgh's called for um, an illegal shift. So they could take the point or they could 
put the ball at the one and then do it again or go for two. He decides to go for two. And it didn't make any sense because, okay, yes, if you make it, you're down six with an extra point, you go up. But you're taking a risk that you're going to have to make it, make the uh, two point conversion later if you miss. Take the seven and at least, at least you know you're tied. If you get another touchdown, you're tied. You go to overtime, you take your chances. The, I get the risk when it comes, I, I was saying, you know, just a second ago, Mike Tomlin, take the risk. Right there, it wasn't a risk reward. It was just stupidity. You know, sometimes coaches overthink. I think they overthink. And Frank Reich, Frank Reich did there. Um, it, just take what's in front of you. You know, if you got a piece of cake in front of you, eat it. Don't go for the other cake 20 meters down the road. Eat what's in front of you. And sometimes teams just got to take what they can get. And I didn't see that enough this weekend. Um, trying to think of some other bad coaching decisions, but I just thought as a whole, it was poor coaching. And you could blame it a lot on why teams have lost. Uh, you know, just... I think, I think coaching in general right now in sports as a whole is really bad. You know, I could look at football. I got a personal story that I'm not going to share, not about me, but just something, you know, along those lines. Sometimes you just play your best talent, see what happens. And in certain situations, just do the smart thing. And I don't think enough teams do it in the NFL. They recycle these coaches that have, well, they coached there before, so we got to hire them. You know, it's the old boys club. You got to hire the, all the old white guys to more head coaching jobs. Oh, that's a, that'll be another, that'll be an off-season podcast because I have a lot to say about that. But let's get into to the games. You know, first game of the weekend, Indianapolis at Buffalo. Um, gr- great game. Uh, Might have been the best one of the weekend. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, before, before I, I guess I talk about the game, I'll say, you know, I made game picks. I like to prop myself up when I get them. I went five and one. So I had a pretty good weekend, um, including this one. Buffalo, India, Buffalo. I knew Buffalo. I thought Buffalo would win this game, but I knew it would be close. I told, you know, Ben on the podcast last week that Indy would keep it to a touchdown or less. They're, they got a good defense. Phillip Rivers can score points. They got Jonathan Taylor, who had just coming off a, a huge game. And, um, you know, Indy, Indy did that, you know, they, uh, early they're getting pressure on Josh Allen, making it tough for him. Uh, they also score first, obviously, uh, making it three, nothing, but what you see from Buffalo in this game is just Josh Allen can adapt. He, the, the drive, uh, start the second quarter, eight plays, 85 yards. You find six different receivers, obviously going to Beasley, Diggs, Dawson, Knox, um, uh, Devin Singletary, you know, he's spreading the ball around. And I think the best quarterbacks can do that. They got their number one option and they'll throw it to him a ton when they need to. But Josh Allen, you know, we seen him last week through two touchdowns to Isaiah McKenzie, who had four snaps um, in this game. He's a special teams, special teams player. Um, you know, Gabriel Davis had a huge half. Um, so, you know, Bills go up 7-3 after a little bit of a lob throw to Dawson Knox back of the end zone. Um, Colts respond. That was kind of the theme of the game. Whenever the Colts kind of got punched in the mouth, they came back fighting. Um, 
it's one thing that you saw from the Colts though. And this was the drive. They had a long drive, 13 plays. They were moving down the field. Uh, Philip Rivers was finding Michael Pittman the whole day, the, the rookie out of uh, USC who looks like a damn good receiver. So he's, they got a good future there with him and T.Y. Hilton and, you know, Jack Doyle at tight end. So the Colts, even with a loss, they look like they're going to be a player for a while here. Um, it really changed the game on this play where Colts are, Colts are driving after they get a touchdown and they got a fourth down and they're at the two and Phillip Rivers had him with a little fade back to the end zone to Pittman again. And he just overthrew him slightly. And it, I understand the gamble. I think it was the right gamble because they're on the two. You don't want to kick a field goal there after that long drive. However, and also, you know, it makes sense because Buffalo, if you miss Buffalo starts on their own two. So you feel good about your defense. So I, I agree with the decision to go for it there. The only, the only problem was Buffalo gets the ball in their two. They drive it the whole length of the field. And that's on the defense. You can't let that happen. You're hoping there. Okay, we get a quick stop. We get the ball at midfield. We'll get some points for the half. Buffalo goes down the field and a couple of huge plays. Gabriel Davis made two plays that had to be reviewed. That was another one frustrating part about this game. The final two minutes of this second quarter took like half an hour. Every catch, oh, they're reviewing it. Review, Video review, get out of sports. I don't want you. I don't care. If the, if the ref... I'll make this point every, I'll make it every podcast. If, if you can't make the decision using the eye test, then get out, get somebody who can get somebody in a frigging bird up, up a chopper above the field, looking down at it. I don't know, but it ruins the flow of the game and it, it's becoming more and more of college football where this happens constantly. And I still love college football, but it kills the product because you're like, Oh, another fucking Lowe's commercial. Who gives a shit? Let's go. So and anyway, to make a long story short, Josh Allen r- runs in a touchdown, Bills up 14-10 at the half, and, you know, it hurt because the Colts should have had the lead, but Bills have had the lead. Start the second half, get a field goal. Um, you know, Colts going along another wrong drive, but um, they, they get stopped on the 15, 14-play drive, stopped on the 15, Rodrigo Blank and Chip misses the field goal off the upright didn't bounce in um he's been one of the most accurate kickers all year it's his first playoff game just didn't work out for him um chunked it and it another play where you know indy's probably looking at film this morning saying if we could have this one back um obviously this is what the bills have done all year you make a mistake they capitalize um Josh Allen throws a beautiful deep ball. Stefan Diggs, who had a big game again, over 130 yards receiving, touchdown, 24-10 Bills. It was at this point, you know, it felt like the Bills were going to cruise to a win. Um, but, you know, Phillip Rivers, I give him a ton of credit. He didn't give up. Uh, he gets the ball back. They start throwing the, start throwing the ball to Hines, getting uh, Jonathan Taylor more and more involved. Um, and the, the drive ends. With Zach Pascal um, getting a, a touchdown reception. So 24-18 after they go for the two-point conversion. And it's the thing for Buffalo, the one thing I can point at them is their third down. On third down, they were two for eight. Um, 
You're not going to win many games doing that. Um, they need to improve that moving forward here. You know, you obviously got a tough matchup next week, which I'll talk about later, but you're not going to win in the playoffs being two for eight on third down. Uh, they, they were fortunate that they did, but uh, you know, they were lucky. Again, Colts get the ball back. Um, Philip Rivers, 30-yard touchdown strike to Jack Doyle, who's wide open. And the Colts were explosive. They haven't really been explosive passing offense all year. They had eight plays of over 20 yards, um, which, you know, Philip Rivers rarity, especially at his age. So 27-24, um, Indy gets the ball back at the end of the game. They use all their timeouts, frantic play, and they get one play left for four seconds. Hail Mary. Philip Rivers throws it up there. Pass is knocked down. Buffalo survives. They win their first playoff game since 1995. And they're off to the, the divisional round where they'll host a playoff game next week. Um, but all in all, I thought Josh Allen looked solid. And um, he played in his first playoff game last year. Looked god-awful against Houston. Um, he looked good. He didn't make stupid mistakes. Um, you know, they got good efforts from Stefan Diggs. Cole Beasley was clearly playing hurt, but he battled through. Um, I think they could try to get some more on their run game. They lost um, their rookie running back, Zach Moss, who I think he may have a broken leg. It did not look good in the game. Um, but before we move on, just about the Colts, you know, Philip Rivers signed a one-year deal after playing 16 years with the San Diego and then turned uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Drafted in 2004, he was in the Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, uh, Eli Manning, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, kind of those three are always linked, always linked. Um, this is it. Hell of a career. Um, he never won a Super Bowl. He got to an AFC divisional playoff game against Tom Brady and the Patriots in 07. I actually played that game with a torn ACL. So that's kind of been Philip. He's never, you know, if you look at him, how did he play this long? I mean, he can't move him. And, you know, he, he's slower than a snail. He throws a wonky football, always has, but he just battles. And the Colts aren't as talented as the Bills, but they made this as close as they could. So credit to Phillip Rivers. I know a lot of people kind of dunk on him um, because, you know, Ben and Eli Manning both have two Super Bowls. But if this is it, Great career, likely going to be a Hall of Famer. So, um, you know, with those two other guys from that draft, we may see all three of them be in the Hall of Fame. Ben, for sure. Um, but good for Philip Rivers. You know, he battled the whole way. Um, but I'll get back to my to my sentiment. You played hard, but you didn't win. So, see you later. Um, next game on the docket was... Los Angeles Rams at Seattle Seahawks third matchups third matchup of the season obviously both playing in the NFC West um, coming in uh, Seattle had beaten Los Angeles just three weeks before this game so Seattle came in with a little bravado a little demeanor uh, that they were going to win and it was going to be kind of easy you know Rams were unsure who was going to play quarterback all week um, John Welford ultimately got the start but it was kind of weird for me because Jared Goff they're you know, the number one overall, number one overall pick in 2016 was on the sideline dressed. He was their, he was the emergency, you know, backup quarterback. So I said, well, if he's your number one, why, why is he not playing? You know, if, if welfare gets hurt, golf comes in, like it, it didn't make sense to me. 
And of course, on Los Angeles' second possession, Jamal Adams nails John Walford. Um, I thought it was a clean hit. It, it hit him in the body, and then it, he did make contact with his head. But I thought it was a clean football play. That might be a, my bias, too, because I'm a huge Jamal Adams fan. But uh, anyway, Walford had to leave the game. Uh, he was actually sent to the hospital during the game. And I think he's, they said he's okay. Uh, his, his neck was kind of the, the biggest worry, but he was, he was re- uh, removed from hospital that night. So he, he should be okay. Hopefully wish him all the best. Um, but he leaves the game and in comes um, Jared Goff. You know, like I said, Jared Goff just two weeks ago had thumb surgery. He's got splints and everything on it. And uh, staples in it and you know they're talking about it in the telecast not not a fun not a fun experience for for Jared Goff but Seattle came out struggling in a major way um, and you can credit you know the Rams pass rush Aaron Donald had two sacks in the first two possessions he was a, just a bull he's a bull in a China shop Leonard Floyd too um, you know Russell Wilson's good with his legs but they really couldn't do anything I think a lot of bad Seattle offense too. They had some drops, you know, DK Metcalf was throwing temper tantrums on the sideline. Russell Wilson wasn't accurate. Only completed 42% of his throws, which is a career low for him. Um, but it got bad to worse because they were kind of starting to gain some traction. The Rams were on the board. Um, they're up seven, seven, three at this point when Darius Williams picks six, Russell Wilson, 42 yards to the house. He's trying to get a screenplay to DK Metcalf. Uh, Darius Williams, the secondary corner, read it perfectly, grabbed it. Nobody even close to him takes it back. Um, Seattle would score before the end of the half. I uh, find DK Metcalf for a long, but 2010 Rams at the half on the road. And Seattle really hadn't looked like they'd found their game yet. Um they got a good return start the second half 2013. They got a 50 yard return, but Seattle never really got on track the whole game. Like I mentioned, you know, Russell Wilson was running for his life the whole game. They couldn't establish Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde in the running game. DK Metcalf was being uh, blank, getting blanket coverage from Jalen Ramsey, who you know, he's Jalen Ramsey. If you remember, he used to play for Jacksonville and he wanted out of Jacksonville which makes more and more sense as time has gone on, but he gets traded to LA and he's got a big deal, but he's earning it. He's played DK Metcalf three times this year. And when he's been covering Metcalf, Metcalf has 10 catches for a hundred yards in three games. I mean, Metcalf, Metcalf does that in a, in a game easy. Jalen Ramsey just is his kryptonite. He couldn't do anything. It was uh, Russell threw him a good deep ball, just great coverage. Ramsey knocked it down. He, he's fun to watch. You know, this Rams defense, they have a lot of superstar players on it. Um, you know, obviously Aaron Donald and I think Ramsey are probably tops both at, at the, at their position. Maybe Xavier Howard can make an argument um, for the dolphins at corner, but um, that was kind of a huge part of the game. Midway through the third quarter, actually, Aaron Donald left the game after making a tackle on Chris Carson. Um, he grabbed his ribs instantly. He tried to come back, but he was having a hard time catch his breath. And 
Uh, obviously, that doesn't bode well for the Rams, but he, he, he had to leave the game as, as well in the fourth quarter. Cooper Cup, their wide receiver, also left the game. So that'll, that'll be something to watch this week. Um, you know, Seattle also in this game, too many mistakes. And Russell Wilson, bad clock management. He was getting delayed games. They were getting uh, false start penalties by the dozen. Um, and it's just another, another mistake, a kickoff return. He fumbles it, recovered by the Rams. Jared Goff, who's throwing on the, the one thumb, finds Robert Woods wide open in the end zone, touchdown. And that really sealed the game. And that was kind of the, the point of the game where Jared Goff really wasn't that effective. The Rams defense kept him in it, and he made enough good plays for them to win. And, you know, he played better than Russell Wilson, you know, with one thumb. So this, this was probably the worst game I've ever seen Russell Wilson play. I mean, he's, a, he's not a guy where you look at him and you say, well, he's not a playoff performer. You know, he should have two Super Bowl rings if Pete Carroll was an idiot and was a smart and didn't call a pass play when he should have called the Marshawn Lynch one-yard run against the Patriots where he gifted you know, the Patriots a Super Bowl with the Malcolm Butler interception. But this is a tough day for him. Uh, I think it was an emotional win for the Rams. Obviously, you're playing your division opponent. You want to win that game. Um, and, you know, a big win, big win for the Rams. They – with that win, I'll mention the playoff matchups for next week as we go on, but because the team didn't play, uh, the Rams are the sixth seed. They were the lowest seed that was remaining, so they're heading to Green Bay. They'll play Green Bay next Saturday um, at 5.30. Um, I don't love the matchup for them. They're a warm-weather team heading to you know one of the coldest places in the NFL. Also, Jared Goff not being 100% healthy. Who knows what Welford? I mentioned Cup, Aaron Donald. Uh, and obviously Aaron Rodgers getting a week off to kind of game plan and uh, rest up and get his body feeling good. It's going to be tough for the Rams to go in there and win. Uh, you know, Jared Goff was nine for 19, 155, one touchdown. Didn't turn the ball over, but you're going to have to do more than that. Yeah, obviously Cam Akers, uh, an impressive day for him. Uh, he had 177 combined uh, yards when it comes to receiving and rushing which is the second most by a rookie in, in a playoff debut in NFL history. Um, so their running game is going to need to be, be good. They're going to need to force some turnovers because I don't think Jared Goff will be uh, good enough to uh, score some points, which they did do um, against Seattle. But you know, good on the Rams, a very banged up team, and to come in into Seattle and beat them you know, is impressive. So, so good, it's good on the Rams, big, big win for them. Um, the last game of Saturday was Tampa Bay at Washington. And this is the game where I picked the Rams was the one team. I, I, one pick I got wrong. I had Seattle winning. So the Rams won. I had, I had Seattle. Tampa Bay at Washington was the game I thought would be the mo be a blowout. And before the, before the game was about five 30, it came out that Alex Smith was not going to play. And I said, well, this game's over before it even starts, you know, Taylor Heineke, I remember, I remember the name just watching him in college, but you know, he's been bouncing around from New England to Carolina. Now he's here as their four-string quarterback on the practice squad. Like he's going to be a disaster, um, you know, and playing against Tampa Bay, who I consider the second best team in the NFC behind Green Bay, you know, this is not going to be a good matchup for, for Washington, even with their great defense. 
Um, and it didn't start out great. Um, you know, Tampa Bay got a field goal to start, good drive. Then a Washington three and out. Then, you know, um, wash Tampa Bay gets the ball back, get first down, Washington gets them off the field. So their defense doing the job. But Heineke's next possession, balls tipped, line of scrimmage, intercepted. And, of course, Tom Brady turned that into a touchdown drive where he found Antonio Brown, 10 nothing Tampa Bay. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is – the floodgates are already opening inside in the second quarter. What we saw was one of the more impressive – performances in a, in a playoffs by you know playoff rookie that I've ever seen you know Taylor Heineke played his ass off in this game uh, they responded after that with a touchdown drive uh, he was using his legs when he had to making beautiful passes Logan Thomas uh, Steven Sims Cam Sims were huge huge guys for him they're driving down the field he's taking shots down the field and he's playing with a, a reckless abandon but also with a sense of calm where he he knows it's a playoff game and it's his show. You know, Steven Montez was his backup fifth string and other practice squad player. Like this is your, you know, Alex Smith wasn't dressed. So there was no, you know, there's no Jared Goff lurking. Taylor Haneke knew he had the offense. It was his team. It was his night. And he, he took advantage of it. Um, so they go JD McKissick runs in a three yard touchdown. Uh, Tampa Bay missed an extra points, nine, seven, but Again, Tampa Bay against his Washington defense early, they Washington was not stopping them. You know, Brady throwing to whoever he wanted to. Uh, you know, found he, Antonio Brown was running the football for net, had his best game of the season. Uh, Leonard Fournette, if you ask me, he's had some struggles this year running when it comes to fumbles, but also just dropping the ball when Brady throws it to him in the backfield because that uh, Ronald Jones was hurt on the second play of the game. Um, but capped off, found Chris Godwin. They failed the two-point conversion, so they're still up 15-7, so eight-point lead. Um, before the, you know, Washington, another drive where they they couldn't get points, um, but we saw all game, really, where Washington never gave up, and they were down 18 set. They were down, you know, big. Heineke, go watch SportsCenter. Go look up the Taylor Heineke touchdown run. This is all hurt. He's running to the to the left side. He doesn't really have the edge, but beats the guy to it, and he dies for the pylon touchdown. Makes it a ten point game. It makes it a, a fifteen point game at this point. But they're fired up. They get a stop, get the ball back, um, and then you know he goes another touchdown drive where he fires a pass to Logan Thomas back of the end zone. He's fired up. He, he really had two of the best plays of the day where he threw a, a in the back left corner of the end zone, he threw a ball that it was a tight, tight window, puts it in there. And this is a guy who's, who's hasn't played, a, hasn't start, hasn't made a start since 2018. So, you know, he's just coming in off, basically off the street to play a game here against Tampa Bay and, and the goat, you know, Tom Brady. Um, and, you know, Brady was, uh, he was having a little hissy fit uh, on the sideline, yelling at his defense. Uh, right before half, he was kind of classless where he uh, was bitching at the, you know, he was, he was pulling a Sidney Crosby in this game. That's what I'd say, you know, bitching at the refs and complaining. Um, but, you know, ultimately, 
Tampa Bay had too much talent. You know, uh, Brady found Antonio Brown at the end of the game. They're up eight. Washington got the ball back, uh, but they had a chance. Uh, knocked down the ball by Carlton Davis. That put the game on ice. But it gave Tampa a test. You know, their defense did not look great. Um, they couldn't get pressure on Heineke. He had really had a clean pocket all day. Um, and the biggest thing, you know, Chase Young, who kind of called out Tom Brady before the game, had a really quiet day, which is not surprising. That seems to happen when these players do that. Um, but, you know, uh, Deron Payne had a big game for Washington. He had two sacks of Brady. Jonathan Allen did, and they had consistent pressure all day. And that's what you got to do to beat Tampa here. You got to put pressure on Brady because he's 43. He wasn't fast before when he was 21. So he gets flustered, throws the ball away. He starts to get agitated when he's on the ground more and more. So that's, that's the key for these, you know, their next opponent is make Brady's day tough. And uh, Washington did that. But, you know, Heineke is going to be a free agent. Maybe this performance – I think this performance definitely you know, guaranteed him a, a backup job next year. You know, there's so many backup quarterbacks in the NFL that are terrible. I think he's at least proved that he can play. And if you wanted to make him your backup, I think he earned another contract. So it keep, I think this playoff performance at least keeps him in the league. So all more power to him. I mean, he, he played his heart out. Another one, I get, you know, there's a winner and a loser and he lost. But you know, to go up against Tom Brady in the box when you, you know, the odds are stacked against you and to make it a touchdown game, eight points, um, he deserves a ton of credit for that. So um, Tampa moves on like I thought they would, but you know they got a test, and that might be better for them in the long run too because you know, the past few weeks they played you know, Atlanta and then Detroit and then Atlanta. Those that's like playing JV basketball, you know, JV basketball team. So. They needed a test. They got one here um, and they handled it. So to their credit, they got through the game. Doesn't matter how they won it. You win the game, you play next week. So, you know, they're, they're moving on. That brings us to Sunday. And really the game I was most excited for on the weekend was Baltimore at Tennessee. Uh, they played last year, 2019 divisional playoff game it was a terrible game for Lamar Jackson. Derrick Henry went off in the game. Um, he was just a monster running for over 150, you know, but Baltimore couldn't tackle him. Um, but they also played earlier this year where Derrick Henry ran for over 130, um, uh, Tennessee won in overtime. You had Tennessee players stomping on the Ravens logo. And that was definitely a theme in this game. Um, yeah, it, it was at start. It was tough for, for, uh, Baltimore. They got three and out. Then Tannehill went on this perfect drive where he was six for six, three, three, um, three catches for AJ Brown, the drive. And he ultimately threw it to AJ Brown, who was kind of uh, hand fighting with Marlon Humphrey in the end zone could have been offensive pass interference. They didn't call it. He goes up, makes the catch seven, nothing. Um, next drive, Lamar kind of throws up a, a duck, just throw, threw one up for miles Boykin, but Malcolm Butler intercepts it results in, um, uh, field goals, 10 nothing Tennessee. It was at this point where the game shifted. Um, Lamar, they started to use their run game effectively. Lamar was using his legs. Um, and Baltimore ended up scoring 17 unanswered points. Um, and it go, it starts with 
you know, them getting a field goal, but then they tied it up for the half minute 45 left. This was, you know, this is about 221 left. Lamar, you know, he's just incredible. Um, It's third nine. That's not great. That's not a great uh, down a distance for, for um, Baltimore, because they're not a passing offense. It's not their strength, but Lamar's under pressure. He's got guys around him, breaks out of the pocket. Um, and just Kevin Byard was their safety. He had to make the tackle. Lamar just basically broke his ankles, went around him, goes down the sideline, 58-yard touchdown run, and it, it shifted the game. The momentum went to Baltimore. They had every they had the momentum going into half. They got the ball to start the second half, and you could just feel it shift. Um, there's there was some people. There was a crowd in Tennessee. It was almost like a groaning because they knew, like Baltimore, you know they they have it right now. Lamar was feeling it, and he he never lost it. You know, really the rest of the game. Um, opening drive touchdown. Uh, 10 plays, 77 yards, six minutes off the clock. Lamar running, J.K. Dobbins using it, you know, throwing passes to Hollywood Brown, who had a quiet playoff game last year. He had over 100 yards receiving today. It was really Lamar's main man. He only threw for 179 yards, and uh, Hollywood Brown had 115 of them. So um, he, he was having a big day. But J.K. Dobbins runs in 17-10. Like I said, 17 unanswered points. Um Tennessee, they go, they switch three and outs, but uh, Tennessee ends up getting a field goal. But, and then, you know, Baltimore missed a 52 yarder, Justin Tucker, one of the most accurate kickers in, in the history of the NFL. Um, and then it was, he actually did make a 51 yarder later. But this is the point of the game where I said coaching, I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, Mike Vrabel, you have the ball. Eight minutes on the clock. It's fourth and two from midfield. You're down by a touchdown, right? You're still in the game. But it's fourth and two, and Baltimore's been running it down your throat all game. And the one thing, if you know football, when you run the ball, it chews up clock because it just it doesn't stop. It's just click, click, click. If you throw the ball, there's always the risk of them dropping it. Guess what? That stops the clock. If you throw it out of bounds, that stops the clock. You run the ball, it's not going to stop if you keep possession. And Baltimore was doing it. Lamar was running. J.K. Dobbins was running effectively. Gus Edwards. It didn't matter. But they were picking up yardage. Tennessee really couldn't stop them. So you're down a touchdown, eight minutes left. And they've Baltimore, just for reference, has had three drives go over five minutes. So at your best case, you're looking at that, at that time of possession, you're going to have maybe two and a half minutes left to score a touchdown, which they can do. But your offense hasn't, like I said, 17 unanswered. Um, I keep the ball. I go for it on fourth and two. And it was, they did, they punted the ball and it made no sense. You know, they, Baltimore ha- had the ball until the two minute warning. You know, they kept the ball. The best thing they did was sack Lamar on, on third down. So they forced a punt, but they were backed up deep in their territory. And really the, the biggest story of the day, you know, was Derrick Henry. He only had 40 yards rushing. You know, Brandon Williams, that, that front four, Clayus Campbell, had a had big games for for um, for Baltimore. They didn't let Tennessee establish the run. That was from the first run. Derrick Henry's first run was for two yards. It kept getting worse and worse. And I don't think Tannehill was 
awful in this game. I, I think he could have played better. I think he had some tough luck with his receivers at, at times. Corey Davis was hurt in the game. He couldn't really play. Um, clearly, A.J. Brown was not feeling top-notch because he had to check in and out a lot. Um, Westbrook Akini, he dropped two balls in the game. So it, it was tough for, for Lamar. I'm uh, sorry, for Ryan Tannehill. But um, two-minute warning, they, they have the ball, it's third down, and um, a slip slip up by um, Batson, intercepted Marcus Peters. And, of course, I mentioned that the Titans were dancing, stomping on the um, the Baltimore Ravens logo when the game was in Baltimore. The Ravens started to do that. And, you know, it, it was really contentious. The whole game was. But after the game, there's no handshakes. Lamar ran off the field. And, you know, he kind of described as Tennessee as classless the last time. And they didn't want to show them any respect after. But Lamar capped the game off with a third down, 30-yard run. He slid they were able to eat the clock and Lamar Jackson won his first playoff game as a starter. He was 0-2, two really bad performances against San Diego and um, Tennessee last year. But, you know, this game, he was Swiss Army knife, threw 170 yards passing, ran for 137, and he's tough. He's tough to – I mean, he's impossible. He's so fast. He's so hard to bring down. And uh, it was just evident in this game that he's – he's still probably the most electric player in the NFL because he can do so much for your team and really impressive. You know, Ravens, you get the win. They needed the win, obviously, and to win on the road against a rival, um, impressive, impressive game for them. I thought their defense really showed up. The offense was there when it had to be Lamar, you know, I think he's, he needs to throw for at least 200 yards, 200 plus in, to win down the stretch here because I don't think he's going to have the lanes that he did um, this week against Tennessee. He had a lot of, you know, 58 yard run, 30 yard, and he was chewing them. So um, I think he'll do, need to do more in the passing game, but solid effort from Baltimore. Um, and I, I thought the better team won. So um, they move on. Second game yesterday was Chicago, the bears at new Orleans. Um, first half, this game really could have, been way different than what the score said. Um, at second New Orleans drive after they drive to the uh, Bears 40, but a five minute drive, they had a punt, Bears get the ball, gain two yards, obviously good field position. New Orleans turns that into a touchdown where Drew Brees finds Michael Thomas for touchdown, first touchdown for him in 385 days. So it's been a while. Um, but then the Bears get the ball back, and they're kind of moving the ball well. Um, you know, David Montgomery was getting the ball, Trubisky being creative. And they're on this beautiful trick play where they have Trubisky out wide right, Montgomery in the wildcat position. He throws the ball to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson throws it to Trubisky as he gets back in the pocket. And he throws a picture, a oh, picture-perfect ball, a deep ball, to Jalen Wims. And, I mean, it was – I've never seen Trubisky throw a better th pass. It's right in the bread basket and Wims just whiffs on it. And I honestly think it changed the game. The New Orleans played terrible in the first half. Terrible. Oh, and Wims dropped. It was such an easy touchdown. And it was, oh, it was so heartbreaking because he had just caught a 28-yard pass, was kind of feeling it. And he, oh, it 
it was, I think it changed the game. You know, that drive, they didn't get any points. They got a field goal um, later on a Perry Santos field goal. But, you know, they had chances in the first at Taysom Hill, fumbled the ball. Um, you know, Trubisky wasn't fine receivers. The run game wasn't going well, but they, he didn't turn the ball over. So give him credit for that. But they had plays that were there that they just didn't capitalize on. When you're an underdog, when you're not as talented as the opposition, you need to, you need to capitalize on them. And they just didn't. So that was tough. Um, but the second half is a different story. Uh, Drew Brees, I thought looked pedestrian at best in the first half. He, again, he still seems tentative. Um, but, uh, they, they, they played the bears. They put uh, Drew Brees had a great second half. Um, he finished the game 28 for 39, 265, two touchdowns. But in the second half, he started to air it out a bit. He found Michael Thomas for 25 yards found Jared cook for over 20. Um, but the bears again, shoot themselves in the foot, start the second half. They go, um, Bears go three and out, of course. Um, but New Orleans goes on a long drive. They get down to the 15, fourth and three. Uh, so they're going to kick a field goal, right? But the Bears jump offside. Five-year penalty, fourth and three, automatic first down. Well, that resulted in a Latavius Murray five-yard touchdown reception, 14-3. They had, I wrote this down because it's just so astonishing. They had four different plays on third and short. So that's third and five or less where they gave the New Orleans a first down. So it's third and five. It's a third, five or third, fourth and five. So we're four, four different plays on fourth down that led to a first down. So third and five, you're a fourth and five. You're you're sitting there and all you got to do is notch off outside. New Orleans was just, you know, Drew Brees was sitting there, you know, giving out the snap count. And they'd have players jump over the line. Well, guess what? That's a five-year penalty, five yards a game, first down. They had four of those in the game. It was just infuriating. And, you know, the Bears punted seven times in the game. They went 0 for 9 on third down until the last possession. It was, it was tough. Off another one of these stupid penalties that kept the drive going, um, New Orleans went a, a, a long run, you know, a nine-minute drive, 15 plays. Alvin Kamara ran in a three-yard score, 21 to three. And, you know, at the end of the game, New Orleans went on another long drive that was a chewed-up minutes. Um, Drew Brees, it looked like he had scored a one-yard uh, quarterback sneak touchdown. He actually didn't cross the line, so they had to review that. The game ended with Jimmy Graham catching a touchdown, Um uh, last literally the last play of the game made a one-handed catch back the end zone beautiful catch the former New Orleans Saint he made the catch run off the field but New Orleans wins 21 to 9 I thought they're they look good in the second half you know the Bears de- Bears do have a good defense um but yeah, their first half worries me um with the win they're gonna be hosting Tampa Bay next weekend that'll be Sunday at 7 40 start time um Tampa Bay's lost to New Orleans twice this year on the opening week. And then in week nine, they played, that would have been Antonio Brown's first game. They lost big 38 to three. So Tampa's going to come in to the Superdome, obviously 0 and two, but if I look at the teams over the, even the back half of the season, you know, Tampa Bay has been way better than New Orleans and it's not even that close. 
I'm not going to give my prediction for the game right now, but um, I think it's a tough matchup for the Saints. I think they'll be confident. They've beaten Tampa Bay twice. So they said, why not we do it a third time, send them home for good. But, um, you know, it, it's a different team than, than we saw early on. Drew Brees has gone through a lot. Latavius Murray got hurt in the games. Hopefully he can come back. You know, Adam Kamara had COVID. Um, but a lot can happen this week. But I think Tampa is going to come into this game the most confident, even more than, you know, the first two. Obviously, week one, Tampa was a new team. Basically, Tom Brady, new quarterback, not a lot of reps with his new receivers. And then you know, New Orleans has been together as this unit of a team for, for a long period of time. So you know, New Orleans, it's tough to win in New Orleans, even with, you know, no crowd. But um, we'll see. I, I was said next Sunday, 740, um, we're going to see uh, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady visit Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Final game of the day. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. It was the one that was toughest for me because I, I thought I was, I've been high in Cleveland all year. So I said, you know what? When I told Ben, I told my mother, she always texts me and asked me who's going to win. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take Cleveland just for fun. And I would, if, if Stefanski was there, normally I would have taken Cleveland without hesitation. Cause I just think, that, but you know, they had a lot of bad things. Stefanski's out uh, their head coach. He had COVID. They don't have Denzel Ward, their starting corner. He's out with COVID. Joel Batonio, their all-pro left guard and uh, six-time, pro, uh, four-time pro bowler out COVID. They had a lot of problems, you know, to say the least, coming into this game. They did have the receivers back. They do have the running backs. But, you know, to lose the guy that calls your plays, uh, that's invaluable. You know, listening to analysts this week, I, I was thinking, well, you know, your quarterback's coach, they're like, no, 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 like this – this is super, super important, even more than, you know, us average Joes really know. So I still pick Cleveland because I want to make it fun. I've been, I like them all year. Pittsburgh is, was a clown show the last back half of the season. So I want to, I want to stay consistent on the podcast. I'll take Cleveland. So game starts. I'm like, well, I'll go four and two. I'm going to be wrong. You know, whatever Pittsburgh will win. First play of the game. This, this first 20 minutes of this football game may have been the craziest game I've ever seen. Just the first one. I mean, the game was crazy too. The first 20 minutes was whack. I mean, that's the easiest way I can describe it. First play of the game, former pro bowler, great center, Marquise Pouncey. Snaps the ball and it airmails. I mean, Big Ben's 6'4", six, 6'4". Six, he's a big dude. It's over his head. It's over him. And this is, they start the ball at their own 25s. This ball is carrying, carrying, going back. James Conner slides to jump on the ball at his own two, misses it, ball runs, ball uh, rolls into the end zone. Carl Joseph jumps on it. Touchdown, Cleveland, first play of the game. Seven, nothing. Just a stunner. Defensive touchdown, first turnover for um, the Browns, which was a theme throughout the game. So, seven, nothing. Next drive, Pittsburgh. Second play of the drive, Big Ben throws a ball, gets kind of tipped. He throws one trying to find James Conner running back, intercepted by MJ Stewart. <laughs> so this is two turnovers in their first three plays. Um, Mayfield turns that into a touchdown, three plays, 46 yards. He finds Jarvis Landry on a slant who catches the ball, finds uh, 34, uh, 34 yards, yards after the catch. He's in the house, 14-0 Cleveland. Just like that. Um, 
Next drive, Steelers have a good drive, but they're stuffed on third and one. They're forced to punt. Six plays, 65 yards. Cleveland mowing through. Kareem Hunt have an impressive, has, has an impressive drive. He gets a 12-yard touchdown score. 21-0. This is still in the first quarter. I'll let you know when we get to the second. Still first quarter. 21-0 Cleveland on the road in Pittsburgh, where they've lost 17 in a row, including this year. Um, so 21, nothing Ben kind of overthrowing receivers. He overthrows one picked off for the second time. Kareem hunt 28, nothing. And this still first quarter, 28, nothing. The first quarter, big Ben's intercepted again in the, in the second, in the second quarter. So he has three picks in the first 20 minutes of this game and it's 28, nothing Browns. They're like the, you know, the Browns and the Bills win on the same weekend is just crazy. In the playoffs? Playoffs? Now, these teams aren't used to being in the playoffs. You know, it's, it was crazy. You know, Big Ben, a future Hall of Famer. People can have their opinion about him. The guy's a rock star quarterback. Um, he's, Big Ben and, and Pittsburgh did try to rally. They went on a 13-play drive, 28-7. But to end the half, big. This was huge in, in the game as it went along. Baker found Austin Hooper, um, 35-7 to, at halftime. A 35-10 at halftime. Sorry, Pittsburgh had four turnovers in the first half, none for Cleveland. It was just a nightmare start for Pittsburgh, but they did rally. Um, you know, they got two touchdowns. One to Eric Ebron, one to Juju Smith-Schuster in the third quarter. So they won the third quarter, 14 nothing. So, you know, that cut the game to 35-24. Biggest play for Cleveland was a Nick Chubb 40-yard touchdown reception. Um, the start the fourth quarter, so that gave them the, the 42-24 uh, yeah, lead. Um, Pittsburgh did add two more touchdowns, but or one more touchdown, sorry, and a two-point conversion. But with after two Cody Parkey field goals, Big Ben was intercepted late. You know, he threw just some crazy statistics. He threw for 501 yards, but he threw 68 passes in the game. 68 for a guy his age, like four touchdowns, four interceptions for Ben, but Cleveland ultimately wins 48-37. Um, they, they won the game in the first half. You know, they say in golf that you can't win the tournament on the uh, on Thursday, but you can sure lose it. Well, Pittsburgh lost the game really in the first five or six minutes because you know, uh, a bad, bad snap, turnover, touchdown, turnover, like that's, that's it. I mean, that, that, that kills you. So Cleveland wins their first playoff game in forever. They're moving on. And just to give you an update on, on where we stand here, um, Cleveland was, was the uh, sixth seed. So they, they beat the three-seeded Steelers. They're the lowest seed remaining. They are headed to Kansas City. They'll play at Kansas City um, next Sunday at, at four o'clock. Um, heading on the road to Kansas City, uh, Baltimore with the win. They're headed to Buffalo. They'll be playing the, the Buff in Buffalo next Saturday night. That's nine fifteen. And I mentioned the NFC games uh, five thirty um, Saturday. We'll see Rams at Packers. And then Sunday night at 7.40, 
we'll see Tampa Bay at New Orleans. But, you know, just a crazy weekend. The last game, of course, had to be the craziest because it's the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, for fan bases like Cleveland and Buffalo, for their teams to win, I do feel good for them because, you know, they've been through hell. They haven't had any successful teams. And to see their teams have some success, obviously, is a good thing for the NFL. Um, but I, I think I think Cleveland's in tough against Kansas City, of course, defending Super Bowl champions. But, you know, they'll have Stefanski back on the field. They'll likely have Batonio back at left guard, Denzel Ward back at corner. So you never know. Obviously, uh, a lot of people didn't have them beating Pittsburgh. But uh, you know, good for them, you know, to have his first year under a new head coach, you know, to win. And he was kind of, he was FaceTimed after the game so he could celebrate with the guys. So that was a cool moment for him and for the team. But, um, you know, kudos, kudos to, to Cleveland for, for beating Pittsburgh. And this is a, a weird time for Pittsburgh. Uh, Big Ben has one year left on his contract, but he's always been a guy who said, you know, he's always been mulling retirement for years now. I think he'll return because I don't think this will want to be the last image of Big Ben. You know, obviously throwing for 501, but four interceptions in game is not the way you want to go out as, as a future Hall of Famer. I still think he has a desire to try to win another Super Bowl. But, you know, if he was to leave, this leaves Pittsburgh in a tough spot. Uh, they got Mason Rudolph who's not a starting quarterback in this league. I mean, he's been there for a couple of years and he's not the answer. Um, if the Jets were to move on from Sam Darnold, I think it would be really smart for them, even if Big Ben returns, to sign Sam Darnold. Um, could be a smaller deal, could be a bridge deal. He could sit behind Ben for a year, learn, um, kind of like the James Winston project in um, New Orleans this year. Kind of take in information, learn some things, you know, Patrick Mahomes sat for a year behind Alex Smith. Um, so, uh, but Pittsburgh's, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Another guy, Alex Smith, obviously he couldn't play for Washington, which I, I feel bad. I wish he could have gotten out there and gotten to take some snaps, but he said he's going to mull over his future. Doesn't know um, if this is it yet. I think that would have been his last game against Philadelphia. He said so many injuries his legs, you don't want to compromise those anymore. You know, he's battled so hard just to get back here. Um, you know, my advice to him is just hang them up and enjoy, you know, the life that you got. Um, you got money. You've had a good career. Uh, you got a Washington team to the playoffs, which nobody saw coming. So, um, so good for Alex Smith. Um, I'll, if he does come back, I'll root for him as I'm a fan now for life. But, um, you know, a, a good effort by him and, by everybody this weekend, but, but some great product all in all. Um, and before I wrap up, I thought I'd talk about Deshaun Watson in Houston. Houston, if you haven't seen, if you don't watch Houston Texans a lot, I'll just say this. Deshaun Watson is a top three quarterback in the NFL. Um, he might be number two behind Mahomes. When it comes to value, because I, I think Aaron Rodgers is better than him, but you know, Deshaun's younger. He's 26. He's, you know, he's going to be there longer. Rodgers is 37, so he's only got so many years left. Deshaun just signed contract extension in Houston, but Houston's been a mess for a while. What, what Houston does is they hire everybody from New England. They hire Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cornell. They, they've hired, their last GM was a New England hire. And it's just this pattern of 
Belichick disciples that haven't panned out. And um, of course, they fired Bill O'Brien, who was their head coach, GM, and they said, well, what are we going to do? So they hired, you know, they asked Tony Dungy and asked all these um, black executives or former executives in the NFL to come and help them in their uh, GM search. And this was just, this is just fraudulent, if you ask me, because the group gave them the two people that they're two finalists. One was um, Lewis Riddick. I've talked about on the podcast before he does the Monday Night Football I think he's great at that, but I think he'd make a, make a great GM because I've never seen somebody know more about football. And he was their fine. He was the guy that they recommended and they hired Nick Casario from new England. Go figure a white guy who's worked for bill who, and I don't have a problem with Casario getting the job, but why is it always from new England when it hasn't worked? You know, they're trying to rebuild something where new England worked because they had it. It's not, it's not carrying over. Matt Patricia didn't carry over anything to Detroit. Romeo Cornell hasn't carried over anything. Charlie Weiss didn't carry over anything in the NFL. And Deshaun Watson didn't like it because they asked him his recommendation. And I think he, Lewis Riddick was top of the list for him. And he also, they asked him who they thought they should interview for head coach. And, you know, he understood that. He said, you know, you don't got to take my advice, but maybe you have your star quarterback, maybe at least the person that he tells you to interview, maybe interview him, right? That makes some sense. Um, he said Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, who's the right hire. I think he'd make a great hire in Houston. They interview a ton of people, but they didn't interview Eric Bieniemy. They didn't even interview him. It doesn't make any. Every other team that has a vacancy interviewed Eric Bieniemy, and maybe it'll be smoke and he doesn't get hired. But at least give him the interview and say, "Well, Deshaun, you know, he was pretty good, but we like this guy better." Okay. You can at least stomach that. But Deshaun's frustrated because these guys have just lied to him. And I understand that they're a mess down there. They have no draft picks. And Deshaun threw for the most yards in the NFL this year. He had a great year. They went 4-12. and And apparently he's unhappy and he wants out. And a, a big rumor over the weekend was that Miami is a destination that he'd like to go to. Miami has, you know, Tua Tagovailoa. They got the Houston pick at number three. Um, so they could get that pick back in a sense. Um, if I'm Miami, I don't know how much it would cost, but it really wouldn't matter how much it costs. I would make that deal. Sean Watson is a proven commodity in the NFL to a could be, but he's still a work in progress. Hasn't shown enough yet. Deshaun Watson changes your franchise. He's that, I mean, he played at watching at Clemson. He was phenomenal. He's been great in the NFL. Um, you know, the Dolphins haven't had an elite quarterback since Dan Marino. That would change the instant you get Deshaun Watson. Now, whether Nick Casario wants to make that move, that's a whole other story. But certainly something to follow during the offseason and just see see where, where that all ends up. But you know, that was Super Wildcard Weekend. Uh, six games in the books. We got four next weekend. I'll be talking about them later in the week with, with a guest before, um, before um, the divisional games. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I um, hope you guys enjoyed the football this weekend. Uh, coverage coming all week at NHL starting Wednesday. I'm going to be doing some shows. Got a special show coming up Friday, uh, which I'm going to tease for a little bit. But um, special show dropping Friday night. Um, but uh, 
enjoy your day. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll be talking real soon.